Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. Uh, I'm your regular host, Patrick Hayes, and tonight joining me is my normal co-host, Caleb Jenks. Please be sure to look at the QR codes on the screen. You can find our podcast on any podcast platform that's out there. We're on Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We are on Audible, TuneIn Radio, and there's a couple others. Wherever you find a podcast, you can find us. So this evening, uh, we are going to be talking about the home church. So good evening, Caleb. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. Good to be back on here again. Good. It's wonderful to have you. So, Caleb, are you even allowed to do a home church? Can you do that? You know, I've been asked that question. <laughs> That's yeah. What, what kind of a license do you need? To, do you have to get a permit? Oh, the- <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, we have a license application through the state of Colorado that is currently pending. We're waiting for our homosexual vegan, you know, governor and his husband to approve it. So we'll see how that goes. So, Caleb, have you ever been a part of a home church? Well, I essentially grew up home churching, or I like to say we home church slash no church. Sure, <laughs> it was very, yeah. very unofficial. But okay. yeah, I've, I have, I have been a part of and attended some home church um, Sunday services before. And, and was Friday it as night weird? Services. Yeah, you've been to ours. Was it as weird as people are concerned it might be? Um, I think for the most part, it it typically, it, it is an intimate enough setting that sometimes it can feel a little bit intimidating going into it. It's kind of like, oh, what am I going <laughs> to, what am I getting myself into? But sure. for the most part, I've always been very comfortable. You know, you sit, you sit down and you're just in somebody's living room and it's like the most really organic way to do church that you, that I could ever think of. I've always enjoyed it. So, yeah, but you did mention something for a person that wants to just dip their toes in. It's not like you can just enter in the back door of the church and sitting sit in the back row and no one sees you. And it's like, right. yeah, if we're not into this, we can just get up and leave. You are kind of making a commitment, especially at our place. And Caleb, I am not kidding you. We start at six thirty on the button exactly. Every single okay. week. And my wife is always joking with me. She's like, well, well, you know, we always have people showing up 5, 10, 15 minutes late. Why don't we just, you know, start it at 6.15? I'm like, well, then they'll be showing up at 6.30. So, like, I'm in the middle of praying, you know, and when visitors show up late, which for the life of me just, you know, blows me away. It's like, if anything, if I was going to be early to something, I would be early to a home church so I could be like, all right, uh, where's the bathroom? Where do I sit? Is there coffee here? You know, um, right. are we going to be handling live, you know, snakes and, you know, beheading <laughs> chickens during this voodoo seance? So I know which exit to run out of. You'd think folks would get there a little early so they could like, you know, ease their way in. But I'm telling you, most of our visitors show up 5, 10, even 15 minutes late, and they'll, like, knock on the door or just walk right in right while we're praying. And I feel bad for them. It's got to feel awkward for them. But I try to make it, you know, like, oh, oh, hey, how's it going? Nice to have you. Come on in. There's some coffee over there. And, you know, there's still, like, 30 pairs of eyes staring at them when they show up. So that is one thing. If well, can I going, say something about yeah, that before in, you move man. on from that? No, so I, 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that we get on here to talk about your home church, and the very first thing you do is call out people that were showed up late because the well, one time that I showed up to your home church, I was late. Benefit. Yeah, but you were like traveling from another state, weren't you? Like, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I, well, I, I, I looked it up to see if your home church was was happening that night. And when yeah. I looked it up, I was like 15 minutes away and your home church had already started like 10 yeah. minutes ago. And I was like, should we even go? And my wife was like, yeah, let's, let's go. Yeah. And, and was it awkward? Did we, did you, did we make you feel as comfortable as possible walking in? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you did a very good job of waiting to talk about me until the next Sunday. After I, you know, <laughs> was not present. You, yeah, you made me feel, feel very comfortable in my face. Keep in mind, the reason I'm bringing this up is for the benefit of other people because, okay, personally, and we'll get to this a little later, I think everyone's going to be going to a home church here in the next 20 years. I don't know if that's going to be true or not, but I think, you know, your normal Sunday morning, big brick building with a steeple, those, you're not going to, I think those are going to be going away pretty fast here. And hopefully I'll be wrong, but that's the level of, uh, religious persecution I'm expecting here in America. So if that's the case, and we're all going to be getting into home churches, I'm trying to say this for the benefit of those that are going to be visiting one, show up five minutes early and get a cup of coffee. You'll, you'll thank me. Okay. So jump on in, man. Tell me your thoughts. What do you got as far as a question? Give it to me. Well, my, I guess my first, my first question is, Obviously, you're you're doing home church. I'm not, so you're. Um, I'll be sending questions your way more than the other way. But uh, why? What is? What is the number? Why are you doing home church? What is the? What okay. is the reason that you would think that the first reason when people think of there's some people that never even heard of or thought of sure. doing home church because just like Walmart, just like Walmart, when you need your bread or your milk or whatever, you go to the store to get that. When you need your religion, mm-hmm. you go to the church to get that. So. Yep. So yeah. what's your, why, why are you doing home church rather than doing the regular institution thing? Okay. So number one, I just want to point out that Caleb already made mention of us not being a real church, right? Cause when you, re- when you need your religion, you go to church, <laughs> you, you don't, you don't come to us. And, and, and I'm telling you, you're going to hear that so many times you'll, you'll hear the term real church <laughs> so right. often. And every time I just roll my eyes, I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to change anyone's mind about that. So a couple of reasons. The reason we started out in our home and keep in mind, a, a couple of weeks ago, we had almost 40 people in our home and it, it was literally standing room only. Like there were a couple of folks that didn't have a seat that were like sitting on countertops and stuff. It, it was it was rough. So we bought some more fold-out chairs, we moved some furniture around, and our attendance just plummeted. So we haven't been busting at the seams anymore. But if we continue to, we are already looking into other options as far as how we can do this thing. The reason we started in our home was a couple of reasons. Number one, we didn't know if this thing was going to take off. So what do you do? Rent a space and buy some chairs and set up a pulpit? You know, it just... The, the financial commitment to start a church, unless you're coming from a place where you have a sending church that is supporting you, especially financially, while you're trying to do this, it doesn't make a lot of sense. On top of that, it would require me to really give up my day job and kind of pursue growing this church as aggressively as possible to try to get the thing running so that we can generate enough income so that I could pay myself a salary. 
So what we did was we avoided two of the biggest line items in a budget of a church. And that is number one, the pastor's salary, and number two, the rent or the mortgage payment for where you're going to meet. So we avoided those things and we are just holding it in our home. And that was kind of the reason. Oh, here's another thing I got to say. Most pastor salaries are way lower, especially when you're starting out than what I think I could probably live on. You know, we're a single income family of eight people. We homeschool. So my wife has to stay home. So if we were going to start trying to make it on a pastor salary of a brand new church, it would be pretty tight. Maybe my wife would have to go back to work. Our kids would have to go to public school. And I just wasn't willing to do that. So we were starting it this way to kind of see how it would grow and see what the next step was from there. So, so, so obviously you don't have convictions against, uh, against meeting in a building. It's not like your, your no. idea, you're, you're not of a different faith or different, belief system than people that meet in buildings. It's just a practical place to do it in, in the home. And Correct. Now, there are things that I don't like about the typical American church. I am absolutely not against meeting in a building, building a building, renting out a small unit in a strip mall. Okay. All of those things, you know, are done when you are uh, starting a church. What a lot of Christians will do is they're going to meet on Sunday. They'll go rent out the Seventh-day Adventist church in their town because, you know, they are a denomination with money behind them. They have a church and they don't use it on Sunday. So they hold their right. services on Saturday and you can rent it from them and you can kind of do your thing on Sunday and you can have more of the church building. So, no, I'm, I'm not against that. Here's what I struggle with. I struggle with the way that most American churches set up their system. And that is, we all meet on Sundays, we all have our own building, and that building typically gets used very little throughout the week. If you think of an office building, you are going to be using that office building somewhere between 40 to 60 hours in a week. Your typical church building, you're going to be using it on Sunday. Some churches only have Sunday morning services, and that's it. They don't meet Sunday night. They don't have a midweek service. They don't do a lot of other things. So then you have this great big building, and you are paying a mortgage payment or you're renting it, and it's just not being used very much. And I see it as a terrible waste of resources when you could have a building like that where you could have two or three or maybe even four churches that meet there and you could say, okay, yeah, we're going to meet on Tuesday nights and we're going to meet on Friday nights. And okay, you guys have to be the Sunday morning crowd. That's great. And you could set it up that way. So you lower the overhead of all of those churches, because if there's one thing that I found in the types of churches that I feel comfortable in, they are all poor. There are some that are rich, don't get me wrong, but the majority of the churches that I feel comfortable in, and keep in mind, our church is an independent Baptist church, and those types of churches, they're usually going to be a lot more conservative, they're going to be filled with a lot more older people, um, you're, you know, you're going to see some that are very successful and get very big, and that's fine, 
But those, a lot of those churches spread out throughout the country are not just overflowing with money where they've got, you know, massive budgets. It's usually pretty tight. And I think that any of these churches, if they'd be willing to just break out of the mold, they could, you know, several of them could meet in one building. You split the cleaning cost. You, I think you could save a lot of money. You could hire the staff that you need. You could send more money to missions. And Caleb, I see that as an issue that I personally believe we are all going to be standing before God answering for. I think God made American Christian churches the richest churches in the world, and I don't see that all of us are spending our money as well as we could be. I think we could be getting a lot more money being used for the ministries that we want to see grow, getting the gospel out, getting people saved, supporting missions, and instead... We fill up a building, we have to rent a bigger one. We fill up that building, we have to build a building. We fill up that building, we got to build a gymnasium now for the kids to play in. Then we got to, you know, build another building for a Bible Institute. There's just a lot of stuff, a lot of money that's going into the next level. And I see that it, it could be a little different. And I think we could do a lot better. And Caleb, that's not a popular opinion. You talk to most pastors, right. they don't want to do that. Just like people don't want to take out library books. They want to, you know, buy their own. There's yeah, so that so, so it's practical. You're, it you're dealing with what the resources you already have, and it's, it's practical. Yep. Yeah, no, that's, that's good because there are some home churches that meet because they, uh, they, they believe that that's the only way to do church. It's... Mm -hmm their religious conviction not to attend church in a, in a church building. Uh, and I find that to be kind of an interesting road to go down. I understand why they're attracted to it, but it's, you see in the early church, you see days where there was, you know, 3000 souls that get saved mm -hmm. or, you know, or times where it's small discipleship where you got, you know, one guy talking to, to his, his neighbor kind of a thing. So I, yeah. I, I think that there's, there's room to be gracious with different church styles. Uh, I was at Life Church this morning in really? Oklahoma, which is the other end of the spectrum from what you're yeah. doing. Oh yeah, that's about as far to the other side of it's the like, spectrum as it's you like can get. Mega, mega church on steroids. Um, and so, and it's the second time that I visited there. And and I was thinking, you know, the message was really, really good there this morning, doctrinally, I have no no issue, but it's, it's not really my cup of tea. I prefer the smaller, more intimate setting. But I was thinking, like, God can use all, all, all different kinds of ministries for different Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Certainly nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with the megachurches. I, I, I usually am pretty hard on megachurches because they, I find them to be very impersonal. Like, a lot of people mm -hmm. don't know, know each other there. Uh, the home church is, I, I guarantee you know everyone that attends your home church on a first-name basis, and they know everyone else on a first-name basis. No, it's the truth. We all know each other. We all know each other's kids. You know, when I pray for everyone in my church, when I pray for our members, when I pray for everyone that comes and attends or visits, I know everybody personally. I talk to everybody every week. And Caleb, there, there, there's nothing wrong with, I don't know what constitutes a mega church. I don't know how many people you have to have to, to be a mega church. The, let's say it's I'd a thousand, say a thousand, thousand people. Yeah. Okay, great. A thousand people. There's nothing wrong with a megachurch. There's nothing wrong with a half of a megachurch. Uh, I would love to see, you know, our church grow. I mean, that would be wonderful. 
I will tell you this, though, because people have brought this up. One of the things that I am concerned with, and I don't have experience with this, and I do need to talk to some other pastors about this. One of the things I'm concerned with is as soon as the church is growing and as soon as I have to stop working a job and just being the pastor of this church and nothing else, and I have to rely on a salary from the tithes and the offerings that we receive, one of the things I'm concerned about is all of a sudden I need to keep people in the pews. So right. my messages need to keep the people in the pews. Right now, I have no financial motivation for saying anything. I can preach whatever I want out of the Bible anytime, and I don't care if anyone doesn't like it. As a matter of fact, right. I've got plenty of people in my church that don't like some of the messages that I preach. That's fine. It's between me and God. If they leave right. financially, we're not going to be hurting. It's not going to change anything. So I do like the idea that I'm not tied to anything and I'm not beholden to anyone. And I know plenty right. of pastors. That well, I like the idea of that too, because I would hate to see my good friend go broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no you definitely, um, you definitely, uh, I mean, I think that, uh, I think that you can have large churches that are successful that do stick to the truth. Absolutely. And are fundamental. But and I've been and to several of them. Yeah, I've been to them. They're great. They stick to the stuff. They don't budge on their convictions, you know, and they are big and they have lots of money moving through the church and the pastor doesn't care a bit. And God bless those guys for, you know, for doing right. that. That's, that's wonderful. I'm not saying that any pastor that's taking a salary <laughs> is a sellout. That's not what I'm saying. No, I don't want to saying... be tempted to personally sell out. Right. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, so I'm sure that you, you do have that. You do have some that are that way. But I would say, by and large, the mega churches are going to probably be the best place that you would find the pastors that Jesus refers to as tickling, itching ears. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're referring to there. If you're, if, uh, you're, you're somewhat compromised as a pastor if your paycheck is dependent on making sure that you don't make somebody upset. And so if there's certain yeah. truths that you speak, then it makes somebody upset and uh, you get, you get, backlash from the board that controls your <laughs> moves and so pretty soon it does become tickling itching ears if you're not careful so that seems like a huge advantage that you have in the home church you know somebody shows up to your church um that's great if they don't that's one less bowl of popcorn you got to make and one less cup of coffee yeah. you got to make yeah, it's, it's not like more it's cup not of coffee i don't have to pour it's not like it's not like you're you know financially benefiting from them being there so yeah. that's and, and I personally am a huge fan of small churches and a lot of big churches. If you look at successful large churches, they're all implementing kind of a, a version of home church where they're doing yep. cell groups. They break it church. up. You got it. <laughs> so, so you still get the home church discipleship type thing going on Feel. through the week. And I think yes. that's really important. And, you know, if you talk to my friends that are in those churches that ha that break up and meet in people's homes throughout the week, all of my friends in those churches tell me that that is their favorite part of their church. It's meeting at home and studying the Bible with a right. small group of Christians. That's what they find the most enjoyable. Right. So, so I guess it's practical 
Um, and it has the advantage of not being compromised. You're not, nobody's, nobody's breathing down your neck telling you what to preach because you have the freedom to, to preach what you feel. Oh, no. Is I have, no, no, no. I have people telling me what to preach. I just don't <laughs> care. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Even in a small church like ours, I have people telling me what to do. I just don't listen to them. Okay. That's, yeah, that's the difference. So, well, so as that soon brings, as they that understand me... that, they will leave once they accept the fact that they're not going to get me to change. And then they won't be an issue anymore. You should just tag some people in this post. It sounds no. like. <laughs> so um, that brings me to the next point then, which is in my experience in home churches, um, I have, I, okay, so I've been in a number of different, uh, well, I would say, I would say the, the whole range of home church spectrum that I've been in, I would say is always kind of the fringe of radical Christianity. Sure. It's never, it's never uh, kind of the mediocre. It's never vanilla. Yeah. 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 And no. so it tends, it tends to attract a lot of people that are kind of, you know, nut jobs for Jesus, so to speak, uh, yep. because they don't fit in anywhere else. So how do you, that's one of the advantages that I see to a larger church where people come and they kind of accept this is how we do church here. This is how they mm -hmm. do church. And either I tolerate it and I sit in the pew and I am able to hear the word of God here, or I don't and I go somewhere else. Sure. And so when people go somewhere else over and over again until they can't find anywhere else to go, then mm -hmm. they're tempted at that point to try, hey, why don't we try a home church or a smaller oh, yeah. church? Yeah, they've shown and up. And I've had them, t I've had people tell me before at our church, which our church is small, but it's not mm -hmm. a home church. Uh, it, started, it used to be smaller than it is now, but I've had people tell me, well, the reason that I'm at this church is because I feel like it's a place that I can be heard and make an impact and make a difference. And I'm like, well, that's great. And well, a few months later, all of a sudden they're very restless because mm -hmm. they came there to try to change us to be what they thought that they wanted us to be rather than willing to accept. So there's, how do you, how have you found, or Maybe I, how do you do personal with that? issue? Because yeah, this is a personal issue because obviously you're currently pastoring people in, um, at, in a home church. So I don't want to make you speak out on no, on that's fine. On, on something that would to. be a personal <laughs> personal issue. Yeah. But yeah, what to me that is one of the biggest advantages is I mean obviously iron sharpens iron and Christians are always rubbing each other wrong. Like you, the early church, they were they were just debating how to handle certain topics. They parted ways over certain things. So you're going to you're going to have some conflict and some differences of opinion. But how how do you feel like that that's played out? Because, well, I'll just give the one example that I was in. So there was a few families that joined a small home church. We met up in Colburn or Mesa, Colorado, up on the Grand Mesa. Yeah. And we met for six months to a year off and on. And most of these uh, people that were going to this church, home church, they ended up joining a charity fellowship in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and they moved to Cheyenne. And that church split a number of times. And it didn't really surprise me because the reason that a lot of these people were attracted to that church is because they were kind of fed up with what they were seeing happening in other churches. They were trying to do the home church thing on their own. It was kind of, a, I, I don't know if I should say an eclectic bunch, but they were, you know, they were very unique very, I would say, very fundamental, very conservative, very committed to their faith, 
uh, I mean, they were baptizing people in the, the, the lakes up on Grand Mesa. They were, you know, they were just like very, it seemed like very genuine, authentic, raw kind of Christianity. I really, really enjoyed our, you know, we open up a hymnal and sing, sing hymns and have prayer together. And there was really, it was church in its purest form, but there was like, obviously these were kind of Christians that were out on a, on this new wild west frontier of, hey, we're out of the mega church and we're ready to go try something new. So then they ended up joining a church, which that church, the charity church is a split, they, or they, they're people that leave the Mennonite or Amish church and do, they homeschool their kids. Um, and they're notorious for, they have men's meetings in the, in the churches where the men get together and make decisions and bicker and fight and the women aren't there to help tame the men. And next thing you know, the church is splitting over, you know, small issues. And so that's the kind of, and, and then of course I've been in the Messianic Jewish congregations and those are notorious for people that are uh, critical thinkers and are very opinionated about their beliefs and nonconformist homeschool type people again, kind of the radical fringe of Christianity there as well, where you have a lot of room for, you know, a thousand different directions that a hundred people are going in because each person has 10 different directions they might go in. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of been my, my biggest problem with it is just lack of like, it's hard to have good leadership in home church where you have a sense of vision for the church and sense of direction. And you have any sort of, I don't mean that everybody has to conform or be uniform, but it's, it seems like it's just kind of a breeding ground for chaos and dissension if you're not careful. And I'm sure it can be done well and done right. Okay, so what's your question? Have you, have you experienced that or have you seen that to be, have you, can you relate to that or what, how do you think you can avoid that or, or keep from that becoming an issue? Okay, so a couple of things. Caleb, do you identify with a particular political party? Yes. Okay. Probably what is that? Okay. Have you ever listened to libertarians? Mm -hmm. Okay. Have you ever listened to several libertarians that right. are... None of, them can, yeah. none of them can agree on it. <laughs> you got it. Okay. So libertarians, when you get them together, it's one of my favorite groups to listen to bicker and argue back and forth. And it's the, the reason they're never going to get too far is because they can't see past a single issue. So in the same way, you're going to have that potential problem in a home church because some people, I can, I can tell you, you're going to have some people show up that weren't able to make it anywhere else. And that's why they land at your doorstep. So for me, there are a couple things. Number one, you have to have strong male leadership in the church. And it's one of the benefits of having a strong pastor. Because he can help lead and guide where the church is going, give a vision, and make it known that this is the direction we're going. And if you don't like it, that's okay. God bless you. But this is the direction we're going. And people are going to give up and leave. You know, they might try to change it. They might try to force stuff, but they're going to get frustrated because, you know, that what you're saying is not what we believe. This is what we believe. 
We have a doctrinal statement. I'm the pastor. That's the end of it. That's the benefit of having a strong um, pastor and strong male leadership that's unified in the church. With that being said, I don't see that a small church or a large church or a very large church is going to have much in the way of differences with the people that they're going to be dealing with. They're going to have some great people and they're going to have some knuckleheads. They're going to have some very loving, kind, loyal, helpful people. And they're going to have some people that are just troublemakers. I will tell you this. My favorite groups of people to deal with are number one, brand new Christians. I love brand new Christians. I love injured and damaged Christians. They got hurt somewhere else at another church and now they're at my house. I love Christians that have been raised in church, kind of got away from it, got in trouble, made a little bit of a mess of their lives, and now they're coming back. I love all of those groups, and I work really, really, really well with all of those groups. I love Christians who tell me I just haven't been fed at my church in 20 years. Do you know I've had people tell me that? 20 years. The first question that comes to my mind is, why are you still there? Leave that place. If you haven't been fed in 20 years, get out of there. And if you don't want to join my church, fine, but find one that can, you know, feed you the Bible. All of these groups I love dearly and I work well with. You want to know the group that I don't work well with? It's the same group that your church doesn't work well with. It's the same group that every pastor doesn't work well with. It's the Christian that shows up that knows everything. And honestly, the only piece of advice that this group ever needs to hear is why haven't you started your own church yet? You obviously know everything. Go start a church. That's all you need to do. But if your ministry is telling me what you don't like about us, Well, guess what? You can leave. It's the same thing that you hear conservative pundits always talk to, you know, loudmouth, fat, obnoxious idiots like Rosie O'Donnell about. You know, I hate America. And if Donald Trump gets elected, I'm leaving. I'll buy you a ticket. (laughs) Okay, I'll buy every loudmouth idiot liberal a ticket when Donald Trump gets elected in 2024. If you're, you know, saying, well, I'll just leave. Great. It's the same thing when the when the Christian that knows everything shows up at your little church and they're like, well, if you don't get this changed, I'm thinking of going to this other church. Great. I'll buy you the bus fare. Right. You know what? what? So those folks are never going to make it anywhere. They're just not. They can't. Because they're discontent no matter where they go, because it's not just exactly the way they want it. All right, well, guess what? It's not going to be the, the way you want it here either, unfortunately. But people have to learn this, and they have to understand this. The pastor cannot change the church to make everybody happy. Do you, Caleb, do you know what a camel is? A camel is a horse designed by a committee. You give a okay. committee you give a committee the task of designing a horse, they come up with a camel. 
That's the joke. Because they can't agree on anything, and it comes off looking like this weird thing that's like, well, it kind of looks a little bit like a horse, but it's not. That's what you have if a pastor is going to try to make everybody happy that shows up and puts a notice in the suggestion box. And by the way, they don't because the suggestion box is in the pastor's office and it's round and it's black and it's made of plastic. Okay. And that's where all the suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and I joke about that because you can't make your church try to make everybody happy. It's impossible. So you have to have a doctrinal statement, you have to have a vision, you have to go before the church and share that vision, and then people are going to get on that bus or they're not. What you hope for is that the people that are not are going to recognize it themselves and decide not to even get on the bus, but to find another place. Does that right. help? Did that answer the question? Yeah. I had fun no, that's... talking about it, even if it didn't. <laughs> So, yeah, no, that's that's kind of that's always been a concern of mine. And I've never been personally involved in in a really bad uh, home church situation. Mm -hmm. I've just heard of I've heard of quite a few that didn't last very long, I guess. And when I heard about the details, like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. When I visited, it seemed like that was kind of the direction we were headed is like everybody was kind of going in their own direction and there's no leadership. And and it's interesting because. So, and that, I've got another question about that as far as leadership. So you brought that up and I. Yeah, uh, jump on in. Give it to me. The, the difference when you're meeting in a church building, I guess, mm-hmm. or, or you, you go, you go to a place where it's like, and like I said, maybe some people show up to a home church because they're like, well, maybe, maybe I can influence them here because they're home church, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you go to, if I go and visit somebody else's church and it's an established church, I walk in and, and they have the church leadership is visible. There's a pastor and they've got their mission statement, their statement of faith, their, their church name on the, on the sign out front. You kind of assume yep. these guys are, they're, they're kind of set in a direction. That's where they're going. And you kind of can get on board with them. Or if you don't care for that direction, you, you move on, like you said, mm-hmm. and that really should, should be the same type of thing with a home church where there with is any a clear direction. Sure. Yeah. So, Obviously, you guys have a statement of faith. You have a, uh, you have a, we have um, a doctrinal statement. Doctrinal statement. Okay. Yep. What we believe. Here you go. So that's that's obviously an important part of having some sort of unified vision for the churches. Is that and some of the home churches that I went to, I don't believe there was they'd ever sat down and said, "Hey, what do we adopt as our doctrinal statement?" It was like, yeah. "Well, I believe this, and he believes that." And there was yeah. no, "We believe this." It was sure. So you're going to uh, have a mess. Right. Yeah. You want to have um, a doctrinal so, statement and you want anyone that wants to join your church to read it and tell you, I agree with this. I understand that by joining this church, I am saying that I agree with this. Right. That's the whole idea. That's that's part of church membership. They know it, they know what they're signing up for. You got it. It's like, okay, I'm not a member of PETA. Why? Right. Because I eat meat. I don't agree with their statement. I am a member of the NRA. Why? Because I agree with what they're trying to do. So that's the idea. So having that doctrinal statement and making people read it before they join your church is great. To be honest with you, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have your doctrinal statement and have people, you know, have a, um, uh, a line for their name and date so they can sign it, you know, when they join your church. And, And they say, no, I agree with that. 
So it's like, great. Okay. So later, if you bring up a, an issue that's written down in there, I can show you your statement and be like, well, look, you said you agree with it. It's okay if you don't, but understand that we're not changing it. You, right. you don't have to agree with this to come to our church. And if you want to be a member, you don't have to agree with our doctrinal statement, but you do have to understand that that's what we believe. And that's what we're going to be teaching. Go ahead. So What's obviously your next you're, question? You're, well, so your church is pretty young. I yes. mean, you guys have been meeting for a few years, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yes. I guess it started off as a Bible, was a Bible study at our home house. church. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I attended a Bible study there probably three or four years ago, I'm thinking. Yeah, um, at your house, uh, and then I attended your uh, church probably a year or so ago, I guess now. Mm -hmm. uh, so, what is to me? It doesn't seem like there's a lot of uh, of room for much sort of difference in direction when you're simply just preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. When you when I mean when you I attended your, your church, <laughs> <laughs> when I attended your church, it it consisted of. We sat down, you opened the Bible, you taught a Bible lesson. Did we sing a, a song or two and had some prayer? Or I don't even know if we sang. I can't remember. Yeah, depends on uh, the, some snacks. what it was. Yeah. Yeah, had some snacks and some fellowship. So there's uh, larger churches, like you mentioned, they end up, obviously, over time, they end up having a lot of different organizations and ministries. Um, so that would, I guess, simplify if you're if you're literally just meeting together and worshiping and reading the Bible and preaching and praying. Mm -hmm. There's not, there's not like a lot to sit down and fight over or have to have board meetings over or whatever. But what would your, what, what would like, so do you guys have a board or a, is there other people that, that have um, input no, so, or say there? No. And really the reason is we don't have enough members for me to say that a board or even a, you know, even a, even deacons uh, would be reasonable. The only thing right. that we really have to go over is the money. And the way it works is anyone that's a member can see the books whenever they want. Okay. I, they can log into our bank account and see everything whenever they want. There's no secrets. And we meet uh, at least every year and we go over, okay, look, this is how much came in. This is how much went out. These are the places that we spent the money and that's it. And I mean, the, the, the report, which is brief is the exact same thing that the bank account shows, you know, so there, right. it's not, it's not complicated because there's not a lot of line items on the budget, but that's about the only thing that we really go over right now, as far, you know, as far as a business meeting, right. that's the right. only thing that we, yeah, that we cover. Yeah, that makes sense. That would seem to me, that's one of the things that I've always wondered if was, it was a, turns into a growing pain with home churches that eventually dissolve. Mm -hmm. is that oftentimes there was, well, in your case, there's a pastor. So you've got that going for you because oftentimes it's everybody meeting together for kind of a ad hoc Bible study, home church meeting. Yeah. Nobody is really, no nobody's it. in charge. Yeah. yeah. And so different people sh share verses or different, you know, messages at times and they contribute where they contribute and people kind of step into ad hoc leadership roles, but they're not, they're kind of self-appointed and then not they official. end up with different, yeah. different directions going. And I've always thought that it would be wise as, as, as a church like that was growing to have, to have um, kind of an organizational statement written up as far as how, how we would handle conflict. Uh, if something were to come up, you know, who's, who, who makes those decisions have, 
maybe two or three brothers in the church that would be, you know, there as the, you know, that the pastor could run things by or how, however that would happen such that if there's questions that come up or conflicts that come up, that people realize that there is a unified message here from the church. There is a unified, you know, leadership mm-hmm. and that, you know, if they want to, they want to go up against that, they're kind of taking on everyone <laughs> rather than just sure. picking a fight with one person. Because when you're pick, picking a fight with one person in a church without any leadership, well, then pretty soon everybody can pick a fight with everybody and the church goes in a hundred different directions. So that, that to me seems like, and obviously, like I said, yours is, yours is pretty young and growing, but that would seem to me like a, a, a possibly a way to avoid what I have seen, which is they just don't last. They come and they go. Yeah, you have to last. have leadership. Okay, so think of this. Um, if you don't know uh, where you're going, then any train will get you there. Right. And and honestly, Caleb, you want to know That's why? The, in the, the book, the book of Second Opinions, chapter five. <laughs> no, it's just one of my favorite sayings. It's one I got from a, a preacher from a long time ago named Doug Phillips, who is a guy that I really like listening to. Unfortunately, he ended up kind of resigning disgrace. disgrace when he yeah when he had I, th- I don't know if he had an affair or he, he was at least accused of having an affair it was a mess right with that being said you know all the books i read from him and every time i heard him he was very helpful and ed- educational <laughs> prior to him having that um big problem okay so do you want to know the same uh do you want to know the main reason that so many couples have problems in their marriage it's because there is no established leadership and like you said, in a Bible study where you just get 10 Christians together and they all open their Bible and they're like, oh, what do you want to study? OK, well, let's pick this chapter. And they start going through it. And one person said, oh, I, th- I think this says this. And, oh, I like it because I think it says this. And, you know, and you have all these different opinions and it can kind of be a mess and go nowhere. And what you find is that when you have groups like that that get together the most successful ones that continue to stay together are when a leader emerges that everyone unanimously respects as the leader. And it doesn't matter. There doesn't have to be an appointed leader, but all the people look to this gentleman because he is wise. He is helpful with explaining the Bible. We like what he has to say. And really what you're noticing is that that gentleman has stepped into a pastoral type of leadership role, even in a very relaxed setting. And with the marriage, you find the same thing. If there's not an established leader and that's not agreed upon, well, then what you have is two groups jockeying for position to get that leadership role. And it usually ends up being a mess. So in the same way, when you have that set up, in the home church and everybody knows who the leader is, you're going to do a lot better. Right. So, okay. Give me a, what's your next question? We have, just so you know, my new goal is to try to end it at an hour and not let these things get off for two and a half. Uh, that hours. sounds, yeah. That so sounds great. We got 15 yeah, so, minutes. Give it to me. Well, I, there may, I guess it, what I was going to, one of the questions that I was going to ask you is what is, what is the, is there kind of a template that you've seen or have you ever seen other home churches that did work well? I brought up some of the cons, but have you, have you experienced and been in other churches? Obviously you, you've been in your home church, but have you ever been in other home churches that you feel like worked well? Have you talked to pastors that, you know, other people that, that do this and that it works well for them? 
A couple. I've talked to a couple of preachers who ended up, and, and it's funny, Caleb, they were not able to make it in several churches where they tried to make it. And Caleb, I am an independent Baptist preacher who is really not able to make it in independent Baptist churches. And I ended up going and starting a church. And it is because I'm just, I don't fit that mold. And one of my favorite preachers uh, for the longest so time. So you were one of the people that we've spent this whole podcast describing? Uh, no, I don't think I was really the guy trying to change the church. I was just the guy that would ask questions and couldn't get an answer. And certain things didn't make sense to me because when the Bible says one thing and we do something else, that is difficult for some people. Now, the majority of Christians, it doesn't bother them. The idea that the Bible says this and we do that, they're like, okay, well, I, you know, I still get my coffee and I still like my Sunday school class and these things are great. For me, I wasn't that guy. I was the guy that would ask questions. And, you know, um, I just found that there were several things that I couldn't get on board with. So there you go. You know, I, I left and, and anyway, we started this church and the pastor that I really liked, he was, and he was a guy that traveled a lot for his job. Okay. He dealed with defense contracts and, and he was going all around the world and he lived, you know, in his 35 year, you know, career, 40 year career. I think he said he lived in two dozen different homes. Okay, so that was a lot of, you know, this traveling and everywhere they went, him and his wife tried to get into a church where they could plant some roots and feel at home and make it their home. And he said he ran into the same problem every single time. And that was him and his wife took the Bible literally and believed what it said. And he constantly ran into the problem of many churches do not take it very seriously. So they always find them found themselves in an uncomfortable position of being in a group where, you know, the Bible was not the Bible was really not taken that seriously. So they ended up when he retired, they found a group of like minded individuals and they found a pastor that um, would uh, come and meet in their home and they met every Friday night and they would get a Bible lesson and they had, you know, a little church um, that they did in their home. And they said they loved it. They said it was something they looked forward to and it was wonderful, you know, and uh, for them, they weren't, you know, necessarily looking for the thing to grow and, and, you know, outgrow their home. They were just looking for a place where they could be fed and they could, all grow together and they really liked it. And they were also quite a bit uh, later on in age. So I I've talked to a couple of pastors who have done this. There are a couple good books on uh, home churches. And with that being said, Caleb, there are Bible colleges and seminaries all over this country. And you can go to them and you can try to learn how to be a pastor and start a church and run a good church. And there are still churches that get run into the ground. And there are some churches that are very successful. So, you know, the questions you ask and the direction you get given and the advice you're given, 
it doesn't really guarantee anything. You know, I think in a lot of ways, uh, everything rises and falls on leadership. And if you're going to have a leader who loves the people and the people can feel that and they believe that when they show up, they want to come back and they want to bring other people there. And if you don't have that, then, you know, you're going to struggle. I mean, that's really, that's absolute number one. That's the foundation. The people have to feel loved when they show up. If they don't, you know, I don't care what else you implement, you're going to struggle. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, and that's, I think it would probably almost be impossible not, not to have that personal aspect of the relationship and love in a home church setting, because it's, it's not like, it's not like you can show up to church and avoid the people you don't get along with. It's Correct. an intimate setting. And, and it's, that's one of the things that I like about home churches or about uh, smaller churches. When I, people come and visit our church and one of the things, one of the comments that we get, which always kind of puzzled me a little bit, but they'd say, Oh, one thing I love about your church is everybody hangs out and wants to hang out and visit. Like people just hang hang around afterward and visit. And it's not yep. like people are rushing out the door. And I was like, well, that's <laughs> when I, whenever I go and visit somebody else's church, yeah. I sit there and I, I try to make sure I at least can remember one thing that I heard in the message. I try mm-hmm. to make sure I retain at least one thing in the message. But after the message is over, that's when church begins in a, in a lot of ways as far as the fellowship. That's when you can start having discussions with other Christians and you can pray with one another. And it's it's sometimes it's more the informal informal church that happens. I mean, we're right now we're up in Oklahoma. We got a, rented a house on Airbnb. We came up for a baby shower and we had a bunch of friends from our church that came up here to this baby shower because this couple that's up here, they used to attend our church. They were members there. They moved to Oklahoma. So we came up for this baby shower while well, we hung out the last few days or yesterday and today, I guess. And, um, and hanging around a house, you know, we, we, we all hung out here at the Airbnb and hanging out here at the house and grilling burgers and uh, making, we had brunch here today after church. We had a better fellowship here than we did. We went to a mega church this morning, but then we came here for brunch after church and we sat on the front porch and we discussed scriptures and, the neighbor came over who was a Seventh Day Adventist that was telling us because he smelled the the uh, bacon wafting mm-hmm. over the, the front yard over to where he was um, picking picking the flower or the weeds out of his flower beds and he was telling us you guys realize that uh, you guys do realize that uh, eating bacon is worse for your health than drinking and smoking don't you? <laughs> he's like he's like I was in church last night and our church preaches a really strong health message and I was like oh you're Seventh Day Adventist aren't you and he's like yeah how do you know. Yeah. Anyway, so then, of course, we visited with him for a little bit, and then he left, and we got to discussing more, you know, <laughs> uh, church stuff. And that's where that's where I think it can get lost. That's the value in 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 small small groups, and the value in in actually doing more intimate informal churches. Church becomes so so formal that you li- you listen to somebody do their 30, 45 minute monologue. You listen to the pre programmed songs that they you know play every Sunday. Everybody gets up and they walk out. And if you're missing the interaction where you're actually able to challenge each other and and have Bible study or discuss God's word, then you're really missing you're missing church. I've had some friends that quit going to church, especially during the, the pandemic, and they were just live streaming church online. Oh, I'm like, yeah. don't tell me don't tell me you're going to church. You're yeah. watching a show on the internet. Mm-hmm. That's not church. And I mean, some, for some people, if you're if you're bedridden, <laughs> that's the best you sure. can do. 
yeah. then yeah, by all means, stream stream church into your into your deathbed if that if that if that's what you want to do. But that's not church. Mm-hmm. Sitting there watching church on a screen isn't church. Showing up to church and listening to somebody give a, a monologue from the pulpit and then leaving church and not having fellowship that's not really church. You know, to me, doing church is where I mean that's a that's a portion of church, but really the the gathering together and breaking of bread when Jesus was breaking bread with his disciples and he said, as often as you do this, do it, do it in remembrance of me. I think he was referring to getting together and gathering around the the table there at Passover. To me, that's what communion is, is, is breaking bread together and, and having, having fellowship. So I think that a a home church in a, in a, in a lot of ways is the most ideal church setting that there could be if it, if it can be done right. One thing that I dislike is people that say, well, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Oh, don't and get me so started. It, <laughs> I mean, I've heard that many, many times, you know, people are burnt out on church. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that I, I personally don't believe that you can remain as a healthy Christian without the accountability that comes from meeting with him, with other Christians. And, and I agree. Fellowship. There's, there's something very beneficial to that. You need to be submitted one to another in the church where you have other people that are, you know, get, able to give you input and that iron that sharpens iron is essential to our Christian walk. It helps keep us who, who we should be, keeps us humble and keeps us on track. So I, I personally think that the home church thing can be great as long as it's not, as long as it's not so informal that it starts replacing, you know, actually doing church, you know, if you're like, no. Oh, I'll just do home church. And that's, and that's sitting at home on your couch watching streaming online. That's totally different than what you guys are doing. You're not, you're not, sure. not churching. It's not a re- And that's, that's what it t- turned into for my family growing up is we, we sometimes we'd meet with other people. We'd have people come over and we'd meet. It was very irregular. We never attended church services. And I just saw the, I, I saw the bad side of doing home church. If you're not steady and you're not committed to it, you don't meet every week. Yeah. And you know, that can be the same bad side of saying that you're homeschooling your kids. And right. that is the argument against homeschooling, which is the, very sporadic, very unorganized parents that once in a while get together with their kids and do something. It's a real shame and the kids are missing out in the same way the Christians are missing out when they say they're a part of a home church and they, you know, it's very sporadic. Like, And, and yours, like you said, was different because you had your family that supposedly met together, but even then it wasn't a regular thing. Right. You know, whereas for us, you show up at our house on 630 every Friday night, there is coffee and there are snacks and the chairs are set up and we got the Bible out and there's a whiteboard with a bunch of verses written down. And I stand behind a pulpit and I got my laptop open. My message is there and your suit and tie. Yeah. Well, I wear a shirt and tie every and you're never going to catch me teaching the Bible without a shirt and tie. I mean, if I go out on the, you know, unless you're on our podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, or if, if I'm like street preaching or something, you know, that's different. But if, if I'm showing up at a church, if I've been invited somewhere to teach the Bible, you better believe I'm going to be wearing a shirt and tie. That's just a personal conviction of mine. I want to show everybody that I'm taking this serious and I have a level of respect for the word of God. Yeah. You know, Jesus Jesus always always wore, always wore his, you know, his best tie every, you know, wherever he went. And I'm, I'm glad we could bring that up. Okay, Caleb, we have less than five minutes. Do you have any? Uh, yeah. Do you have any other good 
uh, questions you want to get out there for me before we close this thing? No. So if people wanted to visit your home church, how do they find you guys and how would they, how would they do that? So, I mean, if anyone drive is, up and down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, first of all, you need to be in Grand Junction, Colorado, and then you can find us on Facebook. So if anyone is listening to this podcast uh, on Google podcast or Spotify or something like that, uh, you can find us on Facebook on Bible Thumper. And you can also find us on our YouTube channel, which is the Bible Thumper podcast on YouTube. And you can get a hold of me. My email address is BibleThumperPodcast at gmail.com. You can private message me on Facebook and get a hold of me that way. And I'm happy to, you know, give someone directions and they can come and visit us. Uh, with that being said, you know, a national podcast isn't usually the greatest way to get individuals in our, you know. Uh, no, but people do travel I-70. You, you can see you got Patrick's it. house from I-70. You can so see my house Grand from Junction. 70. You got it. So if it's a Friday night, you can stop on by if you want to study the Bible with us. You know, um, so, yeah. That's yeah, I way. wouldn't. Yeah. Bring your Bible, but bring definitely bring your opinions. Go tell Patrick how to run his church. That sounds yeah. like what he looks forward to. So well, I would definitely show up. And let me tell you, Caleb, last Friday we had a guy show up that just flat out wanted to fight. And, uh, man, he got it. Uh, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted to tell us about his stupid ideas concerning the Bible. Or actually, he didn't use the Bible one time when he was making his case. Uh, you know, but... Uh, nobody shows up at my house and tells me some nonsense without having to, you know, stand up and explain themselves. And, uh, you know, and the great thing is because it's my house, I also have the legal right to grab you by the hair and throw you out of my front door anytime I want if you're a troublemaker. So, you know, we're well armed and, and I'm definitely not opposed to personal violence. So, yeah. If oh, yeah. Wants. Show up to Patrick's house. If, if, if you, <laughs> if you, you want, make sure you make sure you have short hair and a sidearm. <laughs> if you're going to pick a fight. Oh, uh, that's no. great. Well, I, I wasn't getting paid for that for that uh, promotion there for your uh, church anyway. So yeah. it, did, if it, didn't, if it didn't turn out to, to bring any traffic in us. I'm not going to miss my royalty fee on that. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. I'm glad you stepped out in faith to do it. I've, I've considered. Uh, trying to do a home church before I, if I ever did it, it would be alongside my regular church. Um, mm -hmm. And I've considered starting one in Waco because we had a, we were doing a food distribution there. So every Friday night I had a, you know, half a mile long line of cars lined up and we were handing out food. And yeah. uh, I was just thinking, man, I, I, I should offer these people say, Hey, do you want to come for a Bible study or something and, and give them more than just more than just well, food because I had the connections. Yeah, and that's how a lot of them will start. And honestly, Caleb, the, the people that I like that show up are the brand new Christians that I meet and I give the gospel to. And I, you know, I tell them about Jesus and I ask them if they want to come over, you know, and study the Bible. We meet on Friday nights. And those are the best people to get. Those are the ones that respond well. Those are the ones that have a good time. You know, that's always been the best. Well, listen, we are in the last minute, so I am going to say uh, our conclusion. Uh, so thank you very much, Caleb, for joining us and, and giving me some questions and kind of leading the interview so we could talk about the home church. And we're going to have you on next month. So that's going to be June, the first Friday in June. And I think we were going to talk about the topic. The first Sunday. You were, what did I say? Did I say Friday? Friday. Okay, yeah, sorry. Whatever. Yeah, Friday, that's when Sunday. we meet. 
So the first Sunday night in June, and I think the topic we're going to be going over then is going to be homosexuality and sodomy and the whole LBGTQ nonsense. And we're going to attack that from a biblical perspective and a pragmatical perspective. Uh, pragmatic and logical perspective and it is going to be fun and piss some folks off so get ready for that so thank you everybody for joining us here on bible thumper where somebody's got to say it be sure to check us out on google Podcasts, spotify apple podcast tune in radio uh find us on audible stitcher blueberry please find our podcast somewhere and download it and share it around and you can find us every sunday night at 7 p.m mountain time 8 p.m central and we will be live and do a a video live on facebook just search for the bible thumper podcast on facebook or the bible thumper podcast uh, youtube channel and like i said before anyone that wants to get a hold of me can email me at bible thumper podcast at gmail.com so you have a great week and we'll uh, talk to you next sunday night